1: Hello, and welcome to mini episode 117 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have five spooky stories for you today. And story number one comes from Rebecca. When my son was three and his sister two, their dad and I divorced. I had to search for apartments. The three of us went to view an apartment, and the landlord met us there. He barely looked at the kids as he took us through the place. It was only the four of us inside. After the tour, the landlord asked me to fill out some screening paperwork. As I was filling out the paperwork, my son started screaming in pure fear and climbed my leg. This was out of character for him. He is analytical and never really freaked out over much, even as a toddler. His sister, having no idea why her big brother was so frightened, began climbing my other leg. I dropped the pen, scooped them up and ran to the car. As soon as we left the front door, my son stopped screaming. I put them in the car and said, Bud, what in the world? And he said, the man in there told me to leave. Didn't you see him, mommy? We did not take the apartment. I still don't know what or who he saw. I've seen things my whole life and it seemed my poor son inherited the ability. A few years go by and my super analytical, logical son tells me there's no such thing as ghosts and he can't see them. I know you've seen them before, the story that I just told isn't his only story, but he says that he no longer sees anything. He refuses to discuss the paranormal, though he reveals to me that he still has psychic dreams. I wonder if he rejected the idea of ghosts and stopped seeing them, yet still retained some type of ability. Fast forward to when my son was 16 and his sister is 15. I remarried and was in a financial spot, finally, to save for a house. We lived down the street from the house where my son saw whatever it was. My daughter has the ability to sense things now, and we both know there's an unseen man at the end of the upstairs hallway in front of my bedroom. There was a closet without a door at the end of this hallway, and he seems to stay in there. He was quiet at first, and I was happy to coexist as long as he left us alone. Except he didn't do that. He started slowly, as they do. And all of this happened over a year and a half he observed us and he gave me images i got the image of a man hanging in the frame of that closet doorway when i was awake i tried researching the house but came up empty the house was in a small town that was known to hide its secrets so if the town didn't want a hanging revealed it probably wouldn't be next he started approaching my daughter and me at night i saw his shadow in the doorway My daughter's bedroom was next to mine and the door wasn't on the hinges. We asked for it to be fixed but realised we were moving anyway so we didn't really push the issue. Since she was a teenager, she would place the door over the doorway for privacy. It sort of leaned at an angle against the door jamb. I made sure it was heavy enough not to be able to fall over on its own because we now had a one-year-old baby. It simply couldn't blow over. It was knocked away from the doorway at night more than once, especially when my daughter was in her room. She split her time between us and her dad. This man soon began coming into my bedroom and walking around my bed. I started having nightmares specifically about him. In the dreams, he would stand at the end of my bed and I would feel pure terror. I would wake up from the dreams sweating to see no one in the room. I started to see his reflection in my glasses. Anyone who wears glasses knows you can see the reflections of things behind you, sometimes in the lenses. I knew when he was standing behind me. He got more terrifying. He started getting closer to me at night. I would see his shadow after I turned out the light and lay down. I don't fall asleep quickly, so I would see him walk into the room as a dark shadow. He got closer and closer until he was close enough to attack me one night. I woke up not breathing with a pressure on my chest from above me. Someone was pushing me against the mattress and it took me a second to sit up. I have anxiety that causes breathing problems so I promise you I know the difference between a physiological issue and external pressure. I have never before and never since woken up with that sort of pain on top of my chest. If it was sleep paralysis it is the only time I have experienced it. Finally, right before we moved to our newly purchased house he came to see me when I was awake. I woke up in the middle of the night to see him leaning over me staring at me. He was standing next to my bed just leaning and staring and I got pissed. I screamed at him. Who are you? Who are you? He disappeared as I jumped out of the bed. I was just done with his crap and ready to confront him I guess. We moved soon after that and I still wonder if it would have gotten worse if we had stayed. I think the fear of the experience followed me because I thought something was amiss in my new home initially. I've done some practices from my own spiritual beliefs to cleanse my home and now it's clean. Sometimes visitors tell me it's not clean, but I tell them to stop their stories because I don't want to live with a ghost ever again. I sometimes wonder if I did as my son did, would I also stop seeing things? I've seen the paranormal my whole life, and I wouldn't be sad if it suddenly stopped. I work from home, and I keep my home clean and I really hope it's enough. I think whenever I move house again, I'm going to acquire a child as a litmus test and be like, right, you go into that house first and uh, see if there's spooky in there. If you see anybody that tells you to leave or see anybody that looks injured, see anybody with, uh, you know, wounds instead of eyes, that kind of thing, just let me know and I'll just stand outside and wait. And we hear about lots of children that demonstrate, you know, an ability to sense the paranormal or the supernatural when they're young. And, there's a, and then as they get older, that, that ability seems to disappear. Or, like in this case, they just reject the ability. They say, no, I don't want to live with this. I don't want to do this anymore. I often see people, too, who are desperate to have a paranormal experience, who wish they could see things or wish they could hear things or wish they could sense things. So it's really refreshing to hear from somebody who says, No, I can see things and sense things and I really wish I couldn't. I would rather never have any paranormal experiences again. Because it's good to have the other perspective, that it's not all positive, that sometimes it can have a really negative impact on your life. And that experience with the man in the closet, oh my gosh, that sounds pretty scary. That sounds horrific. And I'm not entirely sure of the ins and outs of it, but I don't necessarily think that all causes of death are necessarily reported all of the time. I think sometimes it depends on the family's wishes and they may not necessarily report what the cause of death was. So I don't think it's unusual to not be able to find a record of a suicide if you believe that happened in the house, if that makes sense. But it sounds like a pretty traumatic experience and I could totally understand why you would say, I don't, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to experience this when I move somewhere else. And story number two comes from Sarah. I live in an apartment complex. The apartments have been through a lot and are actually currently owned by the bank. We have no staff or management on site. And within the entire complex there are maybe 20 apartments rented. It's kind of spooky in its own right. The landscape is not maintained and there are a lot of animals that overrun the place. Squirrels, turkeys, owls, possums, raccoons and crows lots and lots of crows these apartments are kind of far back down a dead end road and i have two daughters in school every morning and evening i have to walk them a half a mile to the bus stop and a half a mile back after i dropped them off in the morning i walk the neighborhood for about an hour for a bit more exercise one windy morning i was walking after getting them on the bus as i circled the complex i kept smelling something like a dead animal I didn't think much of it, there are a lot of animals where I live. Also being in Florida we have coyotes, so I figured a coyote got a small animal or something. That afternoon, when I was walking to get the girls from the bus stop, I noticed a bunch of crows flying ahead of me. By a bunch, I mean like 30, enough that I was nervous walking forward, I didn't want to end up in a Hitchcock film. As I watched the birds flying, I noticed it was really unnatural. They were flying in a circle, like making some sort of birdy black hole in the sky. It was so unsettling and I was afraid to look away because I honestly felt like something bad was going to happen. You know when you look at something so long that it loses focus? My eyes started to blur so I blinked for a second, and I mean a microsecond. And the crows were gone. I ran forward to see if they had landed around the corner or something, but they vanished. The rest of the walk I was searching the skies and did not see a single bird. I stood at the bus stop trying to convince myself this was not weird and I was just making something out of nothing. The kiddos got off the bus and we started walking home talking about their days and such. All of a sudden my ten year old says, ''That was weird.'' I asked her what she meant and she pointed up. ''I saw a bunch of birds flying in a circle up there. Then they all disappeared.'' I realised it was the exact spot that I saw the crows. I told my girls how I had seen the same thing and we started talking about how crazy it was. My 12 year old started naming conspiracy theories including it being a glitch in the simulation and we all tried to not be totally freaked out. Fast forward to the next morning. One of my neighbours called and said come outside. I went outside and saw cop cars and an ambulance. The man that lived next door to her had died yesterday. I don't know if there's any connection, but it all seemed very strange. Also pretty afraid I was breathing in dead guy when I thought I smelled a dead animal. Oh no, I did not make that connection. Maybe it was the body that you were smelling and not an animal. Oh no. Either way, that poor man. Your 12 year old is right. There are a lot of conspiracy theories that pertain specifically to birds and birds being a way that we can see the glitches in the matrix or there are some conspiracy theories that birds aren't real at all or pigeons in particular aren't real. They are just robots. Please don't ask me to elaborate on that because I don't know anything more and I won't be able to tell you. But there you go. I'm also pretty sure that the collective noun for a group of crows is a murder of crows. So we can perhaps comfortably suggest that those crows murdered that man. And story number three comes from Vanessa. Our house was built in the 1950s and is about 1,600 square feet, which is kind of old and pretty small by US standards. Because it's so small, we never had need for a baby monitor. You aren't ever more than 20 steps away from anyone else in the house at any time, so there was no problem hearing the baby from wherever she was in the house. My husband and I were both working full time and so traded off on getting up with the baby. Neither of us slept particularly well so whoever was laying in bed awake hoping to sleep would usually get up with the baby so the other could continue sleeping. Penelope was such a good baby and had transitioned out of the bassinet in our room into the crib in her own so she was just in the next room a few steps away. One night I was half asleep and Penelope started fussing from her crib. I didn't get up right away in the hopes that my husband would go and tend to her. I heard the creaking of the floor and the baby being shushed and then settling into the rocking chair and then the rhythmic rocking as the baby quietened down. Relieved that I wouldn't have to get up, I rolled over to get more comfortable and jumped when I found that my husband was in bed beside me fast asleep. I could still hear the rocking but I was so tired that I figured it must be a benevolent spirit if they were soothing the baby in the night for me, so I just went back to sleep. I don't know if that would normally be the right choice to make, but as a new mother, I was very tired. I have another baby now, Beau, who is 10 months old and still sleeping with me. He is extremely large for his age and the rocking chair is downstairs now, so I'm not sure if the ghost would be willing to help us out again. While I don't have children, I have seen my friends and my siblings have children and I have seen how tired people can be. When there is a newborn baby in the house. And I think I would be accepting the help of any spirit that was wandering if they got up in the middle of the night and did one of the night feeds or did one of the soothing sessions at nighttime, because my word, people get seriously tired when there's a newborn baby in the house. So I'd be, I'd be, I'd just accept it. Maybe it's like a free nanny service from the afterlife that they give you kind of one free nighttime soothing so that you can sleep on and they move on to the next family. Who knows? And story number 4 comes from Rachel. My auntie used to pick me and my sister up from school because my mum and dad worked late during the week. One day she decided to take us to the park that was near our school and only a short walk from our house. It was a massive park with a big outdoor paddling pool, a sports ground and a big river that some older children would swim in, despite the strong undercurrent. Me, my sister and my auntie were feeding the ducks by the river when I turned to her and said, Do you remember when my name was Charlotte and I drowned here? It's safe to say that she was a little bit scared that her five-year-old niece was having an identity crisis and talking to her about drowning, but she brushed it off and replied no and took me and my sister straight to her house. When my mom came to collect us that night, she was told what happened by the river and asked me why I thought my name was Charlotte. I giggled and said, Well, it's not any more silly. My mam doesn't believe in things like that, even though she'll happily watch and read about them. So she just ignored it and told my auntie that it was probably just my imagination. Before you try and use that to debunk this story, please remember that I was five. And although I was quite a smart kid, there is no possible way I could have read a book on past life memories when I was still using tracing paper to learn how to write my own name. And I wasn't allowed to stay up late enough to watch anything like that so it's unlikely I'd have heard the story elsewhere. According to my dad, it was hard to figure out when I was talking about me or Charlotte being at the river, because we went there most weekends, which landed him in trouble with my mam once when I told her that my dad had left me there to talk to his friend. Apparently she went absolutely mental at him, but we hadn't been to the park that day. We had been playing in the garden. I would talk about hovering my foot over the water and occasionally putting the sole of my shoe on the top of it as a game, which I tried to do myself at one point, but was instantly pulled back by my mum. More conversations were had within a few months, mostly with myself because my parents ignored a lot of what I said, so they've ended up being forgotten, aside from the ones I've mentioned. My auntie, however, went to the library for weeks to search the town's history and see if there was a young girl named Charlotte that did drown in that specific river, but came up empty-handed. She has unfortunately died, Therefore, I'm unable to ask her more about it, so it's up to you to believe it or not. I should mention, though, that when I turned six, I stopped talking about Charlotte, and I never brought it up again, so my mom chose to keep it that way. It wasn't until she heard you mention past life memories when I was listening to one of your episodes that she told me about it. I'm 23 now, and for all those years, I have no recollection of ever identifying as a girl named Charlotte, but it begs the question, was she a real person? Was I remembering the events of the day that she died? Did I stop talking about it when I was six because she didn't live to that age? All I'm certain of is that if my child started that shit with me, I'd be drop kicking her down the stairs just like you probably would, Emma. Uh, yeah, definitely. I love a past life story from a distance, but if it was my kid and they were telling me about their past life, I'd be like, okay, kid, you better learn to stop talking very quickly or you're going to get a drop kicking. It's not your fault that you're having past life memories but I should not be subjected to them. Thank you very much. I really like the idea that perhaps children stop talking about past lives past a certain point because that was the age they lived to in their past life. So they don't have any past life memories after that point. That's a really interesting theory and certain places didn't have death records until relatively recently... so it's not necessarily really easy to find death records... beyond a certain point or before a certain point in history rather... because written death records as we know them now... are relatively historically recent. And story number five comes from Joshua. My wife, our three kids and I... were renting a three-story townhouse in Virginia. The home was relatively new and only had one owner prior to us renting it. We never got any bad vibes from the house when we moved in, and for the most part, the house was pretty quiet. After a few months, our kids began telling us about the strange things happening. Lights turning on, things falling over, and my daughter's small guitar randomly strumming in the middle of the night. My wife and I wrote it off as normal kid paranoia, and told them it was probably nothing, but their siblings knocking things down and leaving the lights on. We had nothing to explain the small guitar being strummed in the middle of the night, but told her it was probably a dream. Then I had my own experience after living in the house for about a year. A couple of days after Mother's Day, we still had a balloon in the living room that we had gotten for my wife. The balloon was on the first floor. I was getting ready for work one morning when everyone else had left for work and school and I was alone in the house. I was in the bathroom and looked in the mirror and saw the balloon floating across our bedroom. I instantly got chills and turned around saying what the fuck. The balloon had somehow travelled from the first floor all the way to the third floor and into our bedroom. I quickly pulled out my phone and started to record the balloon as it travelled through the room. No windows were open, no fans were going and the air conditioning was not on. There was seemingly no explanation for how this balloon could travel that far through the house and to the only person in the house. I included the video I recorded and I would like to say that was the only experience that I had. About a month later, my wife and I were relaxing in the house late at night. The kids had been in bed for a few hours but we heard someone moving around upstairs and assumed one of the kids was out of bed. I told my wife I would go get them back in bed. Walking up the stairs, I said, Kids, you better be back in bed going to sleep. I got to the point when I was about eye level with the floor of the third level, when I saw something run past the stairs. I say something because it looked like a child. But it was definitely not one of our kids. It happened very fast, but I know it had small feet like a child with a flowing white nightgown. It was 2016, so our kids were definitely not sleeping in nightgowns. I stopped dead in my tracks and just stared at the next level. I worked up the courage to walk up the stairs and checked on the kids, thinking maybe my daughter was playing around. Looking back, that was ridiculous because my daughter hated dresses of any kind back then. The kids, of course, were all fast asleep in bed and didn't budge when I walked in. I walked down the stairs, convinced that I had seen something and sat down next to my wife. I probably was as white as what I thought I saw and still had chills. I told my wife what I saw and she could only say, ''Well, that's not good.'' Luckily, we had been house hunting at that time anyway and moved shortly afterwards. As always, I will put Joshua's video on Facebook, on Instagram and on Patreon. And look, this may surprise you, but I am no physicist. But to me, that balloon is moving in quite quite an unusual manner. And I particularly want to commend you, Joshua, for your coolness in the face of the demon balloon, because the commentary Joshua gives is like, yep, that's definitely moving towards me. Uh, there's no fan on. There is um, no air conditioning on. Very cool, calm and connected. And your decision to pop the balloon is most probably the right one. So maybe this was this little kid's way of getting your attention in the first place. Of playing with the balloon. We associate balloons with children. It would be something that they would want to play with. Maybe there was maybe there was a child in your house. And it sounds like very childish haunting. Like lights turning on and off. Guitar strumming. Things being moved. The balloon moving. And then seeing that little pair of feet. Oh, even saying that is giving me chills. That little pair of feet running across the landing oh, no, I would be leaving my children to fend for themselves. I'd be thinking, no, I'm sorry. If there's a demon up there, the children are going to have to deal with themselves because I would not be going any further. And story number six comes from Brian. In 2018, I was living with my sister and her family in Port Chester, New York. I'd recently moved there from Miami and was living in my six-year-old nephew's room. From time to time, my sister or brother-in-law would come in very early in the morning to grab some clothes or something for my nephew from his dresser. At that time, I was a personal trainer, and usually up very early as well. On this particular Tuesday morning, I woke up at around 4 30 am to get to the gym by 5am for my first client. I heard someone come into my room and open one drawer to the dresser, close it, and then open another drawer and close that one as well. Not wanting to scare my sister or brother-in-law, I just laid in bed with my eyes closed until I heard the door close. Later that same afternoon, I asked if either one of them had been in the room at around 4.30am and they both told me no, which I thought was odd, but thought nothing of it. Three days later on Friday, I was contemplating going down to the bar to have a few drinks, but I decided it was better to just call it a night and go to bed. I jumped in the shower and after I started to brush my beard. I know it sounds weird, but it was a routine. I should note that I had just bought a brand new brush the previous Saturday, so it was brand new. After brushing my beard, I set it on the backboard of the bed where I always put it and went to sleep. I was up early the next morning because my niece and nephew came in to wake me up and also to get ready for work when I noticed that my brush, in the same place as it was the night before, was in pieces. It laid there in the exact same position, only broken in two, with a lot of the plastic bristles broken off or on the floor. The end of the combs seemed to have been chewed on or burned. It's not something that a six-year-old or a four-year-old could do by themselves, much less have the wherewithal to put the brush back in the exact same spot that they found it, in the dark, without me hearing it. I took the brush down to the kitchen, And as calmly as I could, I asked my sister if she knew anything and she said no. Neither did my brother-in-law. Like I said, the brush looked like someone or something burned it in two and then chewed the ends of it. The house never gave off any paranormal or supernatural vibe. And never before that incident and never again after had anything else occurred. I'm so curious as to what it could have been were the two incidents with the dresser drawers three days before and the brush being destroyed related. That night I had to watch my nieces and my nephew while my sister and my brother-in-law were out and we all stayed in the living room watching TV. I could swear I heard some sort of knocking coming from upstairs, but that may have been my imagination willing it to happen, or the beer. Either way, nothing had ever happened again. This happened in 2018 and I am still just so curious as to what it was. And Brian, before we start dissecting your story, beard hygiene and beard grooming is not weird at all. It is very important to keep that facial hair looking as beautiful as it possibly can. Brian has also very helpfully included pictures of the hairbrush, which I will also post on Instagram, Facebook and on Patreon. And it sort of weirdly looks like the hairbrush exploded. Like that's the best way I can describe it. It's not even that it's just like split in half. It literally looks like it exploded where it was and bits of it were sort of strewn everywhere. Which, again, might alarm you, not a physicist, but it seems kind of impossible, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I I really don't know what to tell you. I can't imagine a four-year-old or a six-year-old being quiet enough to sneak into the room, wreck the brush without you hearing it, and then put it back in the same place without you hearing it. It just doesn't seem likely. But then I don't know what else could have caused it. If it was just a story where the drawers opened and closed you could say okay it was some sort of spirit something was echoing the actions that occur in the house regularly but I don't understand the hairbrush bit and I'm sorry I don't really I don't I don't have anything to appease your curiosity because I don't know what to tell you only that it looks like it exploded thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to rebecca sarah vanessa rachel joshua and brian for sending in your stories like i said during the episode all of the pictures and videos accompanying this episode will be posted on instagram patreon and on facebook if you would like to know anything about real life ghost stories podcast you can do so by logging on to real life ghost stories podcast.com and on that note i shall see you next time